Well, we left off in the middle. I, I told you last week that I was going to leave off, right? I, I said, this is the prequel. We're going to leave the cliffhanger. And there we were last week. We have David standing before King Saul. He's gone through the ridicule. He's gone through people looking down on him. He's gone through the fear that is going through the camp. He's gone through his, his own family, turning against him, saying, what do you, you know, get back in your place. And now he's gone before the king. And the king's telling him, no, you can't do it. It's not possible. And that's where we're going to jump off here in verse 33. But I want to remind you once again, David is not a superhero. We live in a time where everything is a superhero. I don't, I'm hearing superheroes now. They got their own movies. I'd never even heard of them. Now, I, I'm not even a comic book guy. I'm not going to lie. But I'm just like, who? What? I thought it was Superman, Batman. What? What? And now everything has superpowers. And, and everything is better than normal. And we start to look at the scriptures that way. And we say, these people, they are supernatural. They're amazing. Put an S on their chest. They should wear costumes as they're dressing around because they're not like us. And we start to spend our time trying to become more and more like superheroes. We need to be better than everyone else. We need to will this. We need to make this happen. We need to get smarter and faster and stronger. But that guy Goliath out there, with all his armor, his height, his strength, his strategy, he's bigger and better than anyone. And no one can touch him. What is it about David that makes him so special? That's what we're going to talk about. But I wanted to build even more of the context because David is not even old enough to be in the Israeli army. And it says in Numbers chapter 26, verse 2, take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel from 20 years old and above by their father's houses, all who are able to go to war in Israel. This is a reference that tells us that David is under the age of 20. He's a teenager. At best, he's a teenager. And this, this young shepherd boy, this young teenager, is going to do something miraculous. Now let's, as we were saying last week, rebuild a little bit of tension here. David hasn't read the children's story. David has no idea if he's going to win. David does not know that he's going to slay Goliath. David is volunteering for a mission that from a practical and natural standpoint means certain death. Not computer game death. Remember we talked about that last, last week. Not superhero death where miraculously they always survive somehow in the movies. They always survive. How is this possible? No certain death. And here we are in verse 33 through 37. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. 
Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. You know, first and foremost, this is almost a slight against King Saul. Remember a couple chapters ago, before King Saul became king, he was a keeper of the flock. He was a keeper of his father's household, and he couldn't keep them. He lost them. That's how he stumbled across the prophet Samuel. He had to go and find them. Remember, he wanted to give up on them. Now, let's go home. This isn't a big deal. David is the exact opposite, something so small, one sheep, and yet he is willing to face the impossible. Never be ashamed of where you come from. Never be ashamed of your background. Because David is picking a fight as a little boy with a lion, with a bear, over nothing far away from where the action is actually taking place. Remember, this Philistine war, this Philistine-Israeli war has been going on for decades. And away from the battles, away from the glory, away from the newsreels and the, and the social media posts and the... I know there's no social media back there. I'm just trying to relate it. Away from all the eyes. David is standing up for the smallest, littlest things. And some of us, you know, in our Christian walk, we're so worried about the Goliath. We're so worried about what everybody can see. We're so worried about the future. And and that's what's in front of us. We despise the day of small things, as it says in the Bible. Do not despise the day of small things. There are little things in front of you right now that seem impossible that we want to run away from because we think that's no big deal. But God is preparing you for greater things to come. We like to sing that song on Wednesday nights. We are in the potter's hands. He is forming us. He is making us. Every day, every little trial, every average trial, every seemingly impossible trial is preparing us in his hands. And now, in the time that matters most, David's right there before King Saul and he says, listen, I've done these things before. I've trusted God before. God is going to do this. That is the key to this whole text. That we are natural people, and we can only have natural outcomes. No matter how much, no matter how many push-ups I can do, my body can only do so many push-ups. And then that's it. That's as far as I can go. We have a supernatural God. He can do supernatural things. He has no limitations. The key to this text is exactly what David is saying here. If God wants this to be done, it will be done. David cannot do it. He is not a superhuman. He is not a superhero. He doesn't have a costume. There is no reset. He will die if God is not on his side. If if God does not make this happen, it will not happen. And that's each and every one of us. 
Without God, we are nothing. Without God comes certain eternal destruction. Without God, we cannot overcome. We cannot make ourselves better. We can have natural outcomes at most. And there's something about the way that David is explaining this. There's something about the way that he's talking to King Saul that Saul says, go and the Lord be with you. Saul is acknowledging, I've got no other choice. Don't be a King Saul. King Saul's been waiting for a month. 40 days he's been waiting. Philistine Goliath has come out every day in his chariot, ridiculing God, ridiculing the nation of Israel, causing complete fear and panic in the army of the Israelites. And his very last hope, his only hope, he has no answer, is this boy. And he says, I got nothing else. I might as well go with God. It's ridiculous. I've got no options. I guess I'll choose God. I got nothing else. I'll start praying now. Ah, I've reached the end of my limits. Now I'll start reading my Bible. Now I'll start going to church. Don't be a King Saul. Be a King David. King David is a king. He's anointed by God even when he is a shepherd. And he chooses God first and foremost. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? And then we continue in verse 38. And so Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him in a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And when the man who bore the shield went before him. So now, immediately after saying, okay, God's going to be with you, what happens? King Saul immediately tries to conform David into what everyone else is doing. In our lives, you cannot try and be like the world to change the world. You're just hindering yourself. Well, you know, I got this Christian thing. I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm reading. Now let's add this. I'll be better. No, you will not. It will slow you down. You'll be worse off. Jesus says in the book of Revelation, he says, I wish that you were hot or cold when you're lukewarm very vivid in the Greek language, I would vomit you out of my mouth. When we're trying to walk the fence, walk this tightrope between the world and the Lord, we're trying to put on the armor of the enemy of the world and yet still have the righteousness and the freedom of Christ. You can't have both. It's not grace plus the law. It's not religious legalism or religious tradition. It's not the worldly scholars or the philosophies of man that deny 
the glory and the power of God plus anything. And Jesus plus anything doesn't equal salvation. It is Christ alone. It is Jesus alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Not our churches, not our organizations, not our groups, not our works. That's just accoutrement. That's just stuff we're adding. It's weighing us down. Jesus says, He who I have set free is free indeed. Paraphrasing. We are truly free. But there's a King Saul in all of us that wants us to look just like Goliath to defeat Goliath. Remember last chapter we talked about the 200 pounds of armor that Goliath is wearing. Eight and a half to nine and a half feet tall. His spearhead of iron weighs 15 pounds by itself. He has a man that is carrying a shield in front of him. There is no weakness in this man in hand-to-hand combat. None. And now they're trying to put the helmet on David. They're trying to put the chain mail on him. They're saying, okay, we'll do the best we can. We're really going to help you. And then if we really help you, and maybe if God's with you, just maybe you might make it out. David just looks at them and says, this stuff is garbage. Get it off. Get it off. And then he literally picks up a stick and some stones. Think about that for a minute. He picks up a stick and some stones. That's all I need. Puts him in his pouch and he goes off to face Goliath. Remember, he hasn't read the children's Bibles. He does not know how easy this is going to be. Brothers and sisters, it can be that easy for us if you simply trust God with everything. The grace of God on your life. The Bible says, what is the proof of God's love for us that he gave his only begotten son? What else plus that do you need? The answer should be nothing. David walks out of that tent with a stick and some stones. The ridiculousness of this scene. Here's a kid under 20 years of age. I see him walking down into the valley. Remember last week we talked about the valley and the the hills with the crevice down the middle. And here he is walking down the valley with a stick and some stones. He has no armor. He's wearing a shirt as protection. And here's Goliath. Imagine this panzer tank. Remember I explained that last week? Seven inches of armor, 70 tons in World War II. Couldn't stop it. And here's this panzer tank of a man with this 200 pounds of armor, a shield bearer, a chariot that draws him out, crying out with his loud, booming voice through all the nation of Israel. All the armies can see him. And here comes this kid with a stick and some rocks. You ever feel like that in your walk? You ever feel like, I have no idea what I'm doing and I have nothing to back me up? I don't know. I don't have a plan. I don't have in the intelligence. I don't have the finances. I don't have the health. I, I, I'm looking at this thing and the whole world is set against me. What am I going to do now? You ever feel like that? That's David. He's walking down into this valley and he's looking at it. The stick in his hands. It's ridiculous. Just ridiculous as a, a young man or a young woman or an old man or an old woman who comes to the world facing it with the Bible and prayer. It seems so 
ridiculous to this world that we come and face all the trials of life with a Bible and prayer. And just like David, just like David, it's overkill. David has five stones. He's got four stones too many. He's got too much stuff. He could have ditched that. And we come and we face the world with God in our, and not only our corner, but he's in the ring fighting for us. We're spectators in the front row. And we come in with overkill. We have too much when you have God. The enemy always wants us to think, you don't have anything. The ridicule and the mocking that he's been facing over this last chapter is the same ridicule and mocking usually we get from our own families. And yet here he is. Again, historical event, not mythology, not superhero story. Historical battle. You can go to that valley today, jump in a 747, fly over to Israel, you can see where this took place. David has the strength to just say, no, I don't need your stuff. All I need is God. As believers, we're called to do the same thing. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, we look at that kind of philosophically sometimes, like, oh, yeah, you know, we need to be loving God more. Really what he's saying is what's happened to David here. David cast off the things of this world, the armor that was in his way. So too should we as New Testament believers cast off the things that interfere with your walk with Jesus and allow him to transform you and renew you and to use you. That way you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Not that you can do anything. It is God who shows up and proves himself. But he wants to use you in whatever situation you're in today. And it's all connected. The bears in your life, the lions in your life, the bankruptcies, the sicknesses, even the divorces, the drug addictions, dietary issues of your life, broken families, God is using you in every area. That which was meant for evil, he will use for good if you trust him. For all things work together for the good for those that love God. I can't explain it. I don't know how he does it. I just know, as David knows, as I go into the valley of the unknown where my enemy stands, if God is for me, who can stand against me? He will use this trial before you. Just can't reiterate enough that David is facing a literal death here. Literal death. We in America, we have very little uh, decisions to make that could be life and death decisions, but we do have many decisions before us that will change the course of your life. Are you going into them with the wisdom of this world or are you going into them with the wisdom of Christ? You see, David 
would pen these words later on, and it really just unlocks his secret. In Psalm 55, 22, he would say, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. That wasn't just a song to him. That wasn't just poetry. That was his life. That was his action. That was his decision. That God was sustaining him. Yet here we have David. Maybe these words are boiling up in his mind as he's walking into the valley. I don't know. Maybe he's praying to God. Maybe he's crying to God. Maybe he's terrified. Maybe he's not scared at all. I have no idea what's going on in him, and I have no idea what's going on in you. But I can tell you that David is clinging to the promises of God as we should be clinging to the promises of God. I don't know the future, but I have the promises of God in the Scripture that tell me He is coming soon. I don't know what's going to happen with our nation, but I have the promises of God that are telling me that the believer will have victory regardless. David doesn't know what's going to happen, but he knows that he's going to stand up for God. And so here we are. All this build-up to this moment in verse 42. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me. I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. For this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I'm going to be quite honest with you. If I'm an Israeli soldier, I'm sitting in the valley, I'm sitting up there on the ridge overseeing as I have for for weeks on end. I see this 16, 17-year-old kid getting into a shouting match with Goliath. I'm putting my hands on my head like, oh, gosh, no. This is not going to go good. That's That's my flesh. That's what I would do. Like, oh, my goodness. I'm looking for escape routes. We're about to run. And here's this naive little kid standing up, literally looking up at Goliath. I'm going to cut your head off. That's what he said. (laughs) The ridiculousness of it, the comedy of it, and yet the Bible tells us clearly that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, to teach you and to teach me here, sitting in these seats right now, trust God. He will sustain you. He will use you. He will mold you. Now, David, he goes out there. Goliath just doesn't drop dead, does he? 
Sometimes we think if we show up, that's victory in and of itself. I'm sorry, that's not the case. You came today, God's working in your life, praise God, but you must be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Showing up isn't enough. You have to follow through. You have to make the decisions. And here you have this Philistine coming to me with sticks. You think that the world's going to take it easy on you because you're born again now? No. Let me tell you from experience. I've gone into a few fights without the Lord. (laughs) Let me tell you. The world does not care. They will pummel you to the ground. But David puts the Lord first. This is about you, Lord. This is your fight, Lord. I'm not doing it. It's the Lord, he says. Verse 47, that's your highlight verse of the morning. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. And he will give you into my hands. Whatever problem that's before you, whatever Goliath, whatever family situation, financial, health, God will give you victory. I can't give you victory. You can't give yourself victory. The world for sure isn't going to give you victory, but God will. I can't tell you how. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you when. But just like David I can look up at these trials with you that are too big for us and I can say, I stand on the promises of God. God has always been faithful to deliver. Always been faithful. Verse 48. And so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried, ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. And he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stones sank into his forehead. You know, that part's not in the kids' Bibles. I kind of wish it was. Sorry. So he fell on his face to the earth. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him, cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Verse 52. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road of Shaharim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. I'm sorry, I'm weird like this. I wonder if the stone was still in there. Did it like rattle? I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. Again, this is a historical event. That thing was sitting in Israel there for a while. Did they have the stone separate? Was it like Babe Ruth baseball? Yeah, man, this is the stone. And then people start saying, look at this stone. It's so amazing. There was only one weakness in all of Goliath's army, and that was his face was not covered. 200 pounds of armor. A shield-bearer with a full-size shield stood before him. A helmet, a spear, a sword could not be defeated except for a four-inch area right here. And David, by the grace of God, 
pitches it with so much force. So much force. He drops dead. Isn't it amazing? Time and time and time again, our greatest trials are over like that. In an instant. For months and months, they've been looking at this problem. And I'm sure that Goliath was the reason for many battles to be victorious on the Philistine side. And all of that fear, and all of that ridicule David took, and all of the tension there, what's going to happen? This is not going to happen. This is impossible. And it's over in a second. How many trials have we gone through just like that? And how many has the Lord delivered us, believers, and yet we say, why did I worry so much? Why was I so afraid? Why was I in so much doubt? Yeah, here I stand. The Lord has delivered me once again. And notice, the second that this Philistine hits the ground, the Philistines are running. Oh my gosh. What just happened? But the Israeli army is running. Look at the picture here. The one that they ridiculed, the one that they put down, the one that they said couldn't do it, the one that they said you need all this extra stuff, he trusted God. He went into the battle, and now all of those that ridiculed him are following him. He has instantaneously become the leader. This kid knows what he's talking about. And so it will be with you. When you trust God and you go through that valley, you'll go through it alone. You'll have people that will turn against you. Your own family will tell you that you're being ridiculous and that you're being silly. But trust God and they will follow you. I remember when I married Megan. This is off the script. We were in the courthouse. I remember there's only a couple people there. I remember my mom, she came up to me. She said, you sure about this? You sure? I said, oh, I'm sure. Just a naive kid. I'm sure, absolutely. I remember the other people that came to me. I was 19 years old at that time, to put it in context. You know, this is what they tell me. You know that 50% of marriages, when the people are under the age of 21, end within the first year. And I'd say, so what? I said, this is what God told me to do. That's what I'm going to do. So nice. And then now here we are. 10, 11 years <laughs> later. Honey, I'll buy you something. <laughs> now we're counseling other marriages. Listen, that's not because of me. I come from a broken home. I almost broke mine. That comes from a great and mighty God to be victorious. But the opposite is true of the Philistine. They were all following him. And when he fell, they ran. Some of us, unfortunately, are going to make mistakes. We're going to fall. David is going to be one in the future. He's going to go to the world. He's going to sin. And the prophet is going to tell him, God said, you have given my enemies reason to blaspheme my name. And he will fall, and others will stumble because of it. The truth is the same for each and every one of us. 
They're, everyone is watching you. A lot of times we go against the grain, but if you choose God, you truly humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, the scripture says, and in due time he will exalt you. Whether you're being a shepherd right now with the sheep that's far away from all the glory and the glamour, whether you're the janitor, whether you're in the children's ministry, whether you're just trying to keep your family together, be faithful in the day of small things, and he will use you. He's molding you. But do not fall. Do not go to the way of the world. Do not try and put the armor on of your enemy. Don't try and be like the world to change the world. See, we have many examples in the faith. And the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, has an entire hall of faith. And it takes all the superheroes of Scripture. You remember from the beginning, there's no such things as superheroes in the Scripture. It takes all these people that did ridiculously amazing thing, and then it dispels all of the myths there in chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. It then goes on for the entirety of the chapter to say, by faith, Abraham, mighty deeds. By faith, David, mighty deeds. By faith, By faith, by faith, by faith. They simply walked by faith in God. And God, as David said, the battle is the Lord's. You cannot even make faith. God is the author and the finisher of it. You don't even bring anything into the battle. David didn't make those sticks. He didn't make those stones. Who formed those stones? Jesus would say as he's entering in to his greatest battle, They're telling him, hey, tell these people to stop praising your name. He said, even these rocks will cry out my name if I tell them to stop. That is the victory that you walk in. It is by faith. Be encouraged. Walk with him. The whole landscape has changed because of one little boy walking by faith. How radically different could your world be? How radically different would your past be if you radically followed after God? Let's finish this chapter in verses 55 through 59. Now, I want to give you um, just a heads up. Verse 55 is a flashback, so try and catch up with it. When Saul saw David going out against the Philistines, so this is before the battle. This is a conversation that takes place. He said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, Inquire whose son this young man is. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And so David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. David's not ashamed of who he is. He is who he is. He's not a mighty man of valor at that time. He's not an honor guard. He's not even in the army. He's just some shepherd. He doesn't try to pretend to be anything other than what he is. Do not be ashamed of who you are. 
Do not be ashamed of your trials. Don't be ashamed of the family that you're a part of. I used to have a real issue. You know, my, my best friend in the ministry came from a Christian home. It was my pastor's son. The past, a, my pastor's son. I had that right the first time. That's rare. And he came from this like perfect home. And I came from, I was the only believer in my family. And I was just so jealous of everything that he had. I just wanted to be like him, be a part of that family. And they're like, and I got to go home. And, you know, my family's telling me, oh, you're a part of a cult. You go to church more than once a week. You believe what they say, you're in a cult. I kind of felt ashamed. Like, man, why can't I just have it good like them? Not David. I'm a son of Jesse. Bethlehemite. This thing that just happened, this is the Lord. This is his doing. This is his work. I'm nothing. I'm just a shepherd. You're going to have victory. I guarantee you, listen, you're going to have victory when you radically follow after Christ. May not be the victory you want, but it, victory it shall be. And when that time comes, it's the secret to this fellowship. Give God the glory. There's too many out there that get tremendous victories from God, and then they write a book about it. They make their name the biggest thing on the front cover. They got a picture of themselves smiling. I got your money. (laughs) They're taking all the glory away from God. David doesn't do that. And in Galatians, Paul will say the same thing. He said, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. That's where our victory is. Our victory is not with picking up stones and rocks. Our victory is found through Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. His grace is sufficient for me. That I am the weakest, the lowliest, and if you read my emails, the dumbest here in this building. And yet God would use the foolish things of this world, to confound the wise. I boast in him, and anything good in me has come from crucifying the flesh and its lust thereof, as it says in the book of Romans. Anything good in me, my home, my marriage, my work, my integrity, my honesty, my character, comes from God alone, through the word of God. And anything weak, or anything that fails, or anything where I am messing up. I got my name on that. I'm the author of that picture. Trust God and live. We all have trials, every person, every single one. And all of us have this great and mighty God that is for you and not against you. It will not be easy. There will be ridicule. There will be fear. There will be trials. There will be battles. But he, as David said in the psalm, shall sustain you. He will keep you. He will guard you. Trust him. Let's pray. Father God, we we trust you. And if we don't trust you, Lord, here this morning, we pray for a fresh feeling of your Holy Spirit that would touch each and every one of us. That you would give us a fresh faith, Lord, this morning that you would increase our faith, that when we go back into the world, we wouldn't just be hearers, but we would be doers, and we'd be doers by walking in faith in you, that you got this, Lord. You got this. The battle is yours. 
Just help us to walk in you, hand in hand. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.